And welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 367. Who listener, I hope you're all keeping well and safe. We hope you've had a cracking week and that you've all managed to do something Doctor Who. Doctor Who related. Related. I see some of you have done Doctor Who things. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So a certain retailer started posting out the uh the see the, the, the Hartnell box set a bit early. Yeah, naughty, very naughty. Very naughty. Sending that out early. Oh dear. I I looked at a few tweets, you know. And I saw some people had posted the image, and I thought that's not real. <laughs> somebody's uh, somebody's messing about there, but it is apparently here in the UK. The retailer Zavi just had zero Fs given mm-hmm. over the last couple of days, and they're like, "Look, I'm not being funny, but Christmas is coming up. Deliveries are getting busy, and we we literally just do not have enough room in the warehouse for Doctor Who stuff." <laughs> so can you please get it out get it gone don't care if it's early so yeah season two of the collection uh i ordered mine from amazon dude i don't know about you but mine's not arriving until next week the 10th apparently next saturday uh, no i ordered mine from hmv uh, i always use hmv i'm not a big fan of amazon <laughs> to yeah. be honest but yeah. mine hasn't been dispatched yet so it's, it's funny because when when people get it early it, um it always sort of makes me laugh when on the monday the day of release when people get theirs and they'll tweet finally in great big letters finally mine's turned up and i'm like it it's not supposed to be out till today it's just annoying <laughs> that people get it earlier you feel like you're so behind then don't you you're like come on yes. waiting by the letterbox yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah i could have done with it mate i've been stuck at home with covid for the last week I was just thinking, God, it would have been a perfect week to have the the Blu-ray set. I could have really dived into it this week. Get the violins out. Here we go. Well, please, if you could. Yeah, if you could. (laughs) Uh, It looks like a good set as well, bud, this one. It does. Doesn't it? Yeah. And it is... um, Normally, we don't comment on that stuff, because sometimes you have retailers. We used to to order a lot from... Are they still going? Is it zoom.co.uk? Oh, I think they're cool. Oh, yeah, they are still going. Yeah, yeah. something something, something happened with them anyway. And uh, we used to order from those guys, and nine times out of ten, we'd get it early, usually the day before it was due to yeah. release. But Zavi have really pulled the trigger early on this one. This is a whole week, over a week early, so that's quite unusual. Yeah. It's funny, actually, because there's someone who, who works in retail. I used to work for HMV as well, and um, I get quite annoyed about it because we're so strict. You know, we, we play the game fairly. Like, you know, the release dates are there for a reason, so that everyone puts them on the shelf at the same day and you know we were ne- as staff we're never allowed to buy them before they're actually out you know so you'd get something a week in advance like the doctor who set and it would be up in the sort of the stock room there it's like no no you can't have it till monday you're not allowed to take that home till monday when it's out and i'm like yeah so 
it kind of annoys me when I see companies send them out. It's great for people who get them early. I mean, I love it when mine arrives early, but it is, um, it's not supposed to be, you know. <laughs> it's like it's one of those things. And it used to be so strict. You used to get fined and all sorts, but it seems like nowadays no one, no one gives a beep. Yeah, that's true. The retailers do have the power, though. They have immense power, especially um, oh, wow. some of the uh, some of the smaller <laughs> independent shops as well. It's a bit of a mm. tangent, but I remember years ago. Any gamers who are listening will um will know about this. But years ago, before you bought games digitally, you bought mm. them obviously you know on disc like you do films and stuff. And I remember when Halo Three was going to drop, and I had pre-ordered it from I can't remember where, and I went into this. Um, there was a the town I used to live in. There was a very small independent video game shop. They mainly sold retro games and stuff, but they also had the newer titles, the bigger ones, when they came in. And I was in there about five days before it was due to release, and I was reasonably good friends with the guy who ran it. And he said, "Do you want a copy now? Because Ooh. I've I've had them in for I've personally had them in for the last two or three days. They're not out until next weekend, but if you want one, you can have one." Mm. and i was like mm, uh, i can't really spend it because i had ordered i think it was like a a special edition version at the time from this other retailer so i wanted to stick with yeah. that he just had the standard <laughs> version but the retailers dude they have the uh they have the power and we don't even know it. I'd, I'd imagine that all of the retailers have had these box sets in for a couple of weeks already just sitting there which mm. is annoying but yeah because I want yeah, to watch it. Yeah, I mean, it. It's, it's, I think it's because, you know, as soon as you scan it, it's sort of registered as a sale. So they have to be a bit careful where, I don't know how Zavi get around it. They probably just say, we've got to get these posted out. Admin the error. Postal strikes. Yeah, admin error. Yeah. Yep, but it's, it. it does give them an unfair advantage because then obviously word gets around. Oh, you got yours early from Zavi. I think I'll order from them next time. And then, so HMV has stood back, you know, thinking, hang on a minute, we're <laughs> playing by the rules and Zavi is sending them out early and now everyone's going to use them, aren't they? It's you know it, it does niggle me as someone who, who works in retail. I have to be honest. I mean, as I said, great for those of us that get it early. We love it, but bit cheeky, know, it's cheeky, yeah. very cheeky. cheeky. Anyway, listener, if you've got your season two box set, enjoy. Yeah, we have reported enjoy. you. And <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers though. That's the. Do you know what I did? I don't mind if people have got their sets early. Mm. All good, fair play. But please don't start sticking all the. All the all the stuff from the behind the scenes, mainly, all over socials and stuff. We mm. want to see that fresh, you know. I am looking. Yeah. So it should actually be out. So it is actually out Monday, isn't it officially? So we should have it next week. It should be nice. Yes. It looks yeah. for actually just lastly on it. It looks huge as well. So I saw a picture of someone's put it next to. They're like, oh, I've filled that gap and I've put it next to the <laughs> other sets, and the, the spine looks really thick. I'm like, wow, it looks like a beast of a set. This one. Mm-hmm. It yeah. Does. Yeah. So once this one's out, how many sets have they released in total then? Will this be number seven? Or number uh, no, um, no, more than that. I think we're about halfway through now, aren't we? I think we're about... No, I can't, there's not more than 10 been released, has there? Maybe then. This is the number 11, oh, maybe. Right. I'm not sure. Hmm. So, approximately halfway enough. there then. Well, yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. Not, not quick enough, in my opinion, but <laughs> we're hmm. getting there. Yeah. I wonder if they'll do a special edition uh, McGann Doctor Who movie to finish it all up with. Surely, because that's not had the. Uh, I know that's been upscaled before, on Blu-ray, but it's not had the proper treatment with all the new special features and everything, has it? So no, who's who's got the because they haven't got the original. It's never been transferred from the original film elements, has it? Who's got the film elements and won't let them go? Um, 
Is it Fox or I'm something? I'm not sure. It's some Canadian um, studio, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Just hand them over, guys. We need we need that in press, pristine quality. Yeah. Not recorded from some of this video VHS tape <laughs> from the nineties. Yeah, hand them over. Doctor Who's <laughs> big business now. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but yes, I'm hoping for a McGann set or like a what do they call it? Like a Wilderness Years set or something. Something. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, that would be nice. even if they yeah. did just a little slim version that's in the same colour scheme, get Lee Binding to mm. do some artwork for it, and that'd be cool. Yes. Yes. Anyway, have you done anything Doctor Who-y, bud, over the last week? <laughs> no, not really, surprisingly. I mean, considering I haven't been able to leave the house, get that violin out Here again. There we go. Um, uh, no, I, I haven't really done much <laughs> Doctor Who related. I've been going through and watching loads of old classic films. I don't know if it's just a thing of being ill and needing like a comfort sort of thing um but i watched the, do you remember the black hole the disney film oh that film that's classic yeah, dude i love classic, the soundtrack isn't it to that, yeah and it's quite dull oh, the soundtrack's brilliant yeah. well i'd seen i saw some toys at the film fair um a couple of weeks back and i thought oh you never see any black hole merch ever and i used to have all the figures of course and all the models and it just made me want to watch it and i was like oh, get the old fire up the old disney plus and see if it's on there of course it is it's a disney film so yeah so i watched that and it was um, just as wonderfully nostalgic and great as i remembered it it's so trippy at the end do you remember the end bit not that i'm going to ruin it for anyone but you miss so it trippy is, isn't yeah. it yeah, yeah and quite dark uh, so i watched that and i um, some my friend of mine is a massive Buffy fan, and I've never watched a single episode of Buffy, and I what feel like I should. Frick? Yeah, I know, I know. Have you, have you seen Buffy? Have of you all, of, all, mate. I, I was a teenager back when Buffy was landing, oh, so it yes, explains a lot. Yeah, I watched a lot of <laughs> Buffy. Yeah, <laughs> I could just see you with your Sarah Michelle Gellar poster up. Um, <laughs> so I watched, I uh, watched a couple of episodes of Buffy because I thought, right, that's on. I think that's Disney as well, or on one of them. Let's get that going. Let's get into that. So I'm trying to be sort of diving into things that I feel like I should watch or right, should have watched right. in my lifetime. <laughs> Maybe it's because I'm ill. I think I'm getting to the end. You know, like come on, quick. <laughs> Get these things watched before you. I won't see the morning, so I better get all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, sit feeling sorry for myself on the sofa, you know, Lem sit, Buffy, and uh, yeah. So I've just been watching stuff like that, and um, yeah, I I felt like watching some classic Who, but I couldn't decide on anything if if that makes sense. Oh. I've been very yeah, hmm. you know, like I sit there and I was like, what do I feel like tonight? Or I feel, I feel like a bit of McCoy, and then I was like, but I've watched. I've watched Delta and Paradise and all that so much. And, oh, no, okay, let me think of something. And I just couldn't think of what I wanted to watch. So I would, because the TV's on and, you know, it's all at the, you know, tip of the fingertips, I just put on what was on the TV. But um, how are you doing with your marathon? Your yeah. Doctor Who marathon? Yeah, not too bad. As in, to? as in, I haven't watched any more. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I've been off this week from, from the old day job. I say you had a week off. Yeah, yeah but I've been doing other stuffs. I had to do a load of stuff that I put off for a few weeks around the house and on all that jazz. So, yes, I uh, my mind's been on other stuff, and I've been watching uh, some other bits and pieces. So I will resume, though, not to worry. I will, I will resume. But yeah, no Doctor Who stuff for me this week, bud. No, get no. the black hole on, mate. Honestly, it's so black hole. Great. Yeah, I remember um hunting. I remember a few years ago thinking I had this strange thought in my head that I'd start collecting the black hole toys because some of them are quite rare. And if you can track mm. them down, especially boxed, they're pretty good. I think the um, the Vincent and Bob little droid uh, toys, uh, they're like a dime a dozen. There's loads of them. But the Maximilian figure boxed, if you can find that, 
If you find that one, that's a, that's a good one to have. And it comes, some of them come with a little stand as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of cool. But yeah, I don't mind the black hole, dude. It was, um, it's a bit of a forgotten gem, really. Not many people it, know about it or talk about it. It is. Apparently mm. it was a huge flop back in the day, was, which surprises yeah. me because I loved it as a kid. I remember going to the cinema with my parents to see it. I think we went a few times. I, I definitely watched that a few times over the years. Um, and the model work and stuff, and it's so brilliant. It's weird because there are so many things that are great about it, but there are so many things that are cringe about it. It's a real, like, <laughs> they got so much right. Yeah. <laughs> they got so many things wrong. But it's it's quite adult as well, isn't it? You know, for It a, is a bit, yeah. But then the dialogue's so cheesy and kiddie. It's, it's a real mishmash of tones but it, i i loved really watching that mate it's on disney plus get it on listeners yeah. if you haven't watched the black hole go and watch it it's, it's brilliant it's strange it's got a charm to it it's a little bit like blake seven in my opinion like it's like mm. the film not the film version of blake seven but in terms of like it's the smaller brother to some of the bigger sci-fi films that were successful mm. around the time and I, I always associate Blake Seven with that. Apologies, you and Blake Seven fans, but I always associate that with being the, the sort of smaller, um, in terms of popularity and whatever you class as successful, I guess, back then. Like yeah. the smaller brother to the bigger sci-fi things like Doctor Who and other things. So, But it's, a, it's definitely one of those Sunday afternoon, you know, stick a, an old movie on. Yeah, it's cool. It's, it's perfect cool. for that, yeah. Yeah. All righty. I've not done anything else. You haven't done anything else. We're going to stop waffling. Before we crack on, we've got one bit of news to go through before we crack on with that. Yeah, and then on to our review. Oh, we got. Have we? Have we got some news? Pro podcasting, Doctor Who (laughs) As always, before we crack on with that one bit of news, Adam, and then our review of the 10th Doctor two-parter, The Stolen Earth and Journey's End, Mm. make sure you are following or subscribing in your podcast app of choice to this very podcast so you won't miss an episode when it lands every single Saturday. You can listen for free on all of those uh, podcast apps or head over to the website and listen in your browser, which is bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can also check out all of the cool reviews and articles and whatnot from our amazing writing team as well over there. We're on the socials too. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook links are on the website. Come and chat Doctor Who throughout the week. And we have a very cool Discord server, which is also free. A link on the website. Hop in there and chat Doctor Who with lots of other cool Doctor Who fans. Also, don't remember to forget. Don't forget to remember (laughs) to check out Adam's YouTube channel. It is, of course, The Geek's Handbag. Yes, indeed. Yeah, and I've got a new video out today. Well, hopefully. Uh, I've Mm. spent two weeks editing this blimmin thing so please go and watch it it's uh, a video of the uh, london film comic con where i met david and jody so I've been, that should be out today nice if i can get my act together <laughs> very nice so go and check that out the geeks handbag over on youtube and adam's on the socials under the same name so go and give him a little stalky a little stalky follow and view and uh, yeah and adam also chats not just doctor who but lots of cool stuff Indeed. lots of cool stuff throughout the week so uh, so go and do that Alrighty, uh, why don't we uh, why don't we hop in the old TARDIS and uh, see what this news is about? So the bit of news that Adam missed is that Doctor Who <laughs> is in the Guinness World Records for a second time. Well, I'm not sure if this is uh, the second time or more, but it's another entry for Doctor Who in the Guinness World Records. And this is for the longest gap between TV appearances of an actor playing a television character, which is now held by the legend 
that is William Russell. Yes. Which is amazing. So obviously, as you all know, the companion, Ian Chesterton, that character. So Russell played Chesterton in the very first episode of Doctor Who. This is history that you all know, but I'll recap you. So Doctor Who, 1963, Ian Chesterton uh, was the companion there. And he stayed with the series for the following uh, 18 months, two years, and, um, and appeared in 77 episodes. And then his last appearance was the Planet of Decision, which was uh, the final chapter or the final episode of the Chase story, mm. which went out on the 26th of June, 1965. So a couple of years there. Then fast forward in time to The Power of the Doctor, which screened on the 23rd of October this year, which means the gap between his last appearance and this one was 57 years no and 120 way. days. Oh my God. Which is crazy. The previous record holder was Philip Lowry, which was the returning role of Dennis Tanner in Coronation Street, which was 43 years. So Ian Chesterton completely blows that one out of the water, <laughs> yeah. which is great. So um, Doctor Who already has entries in the Guinness World Records, including the most consecutive sci-fi TV episodes ever, with 871 so far. And then in 2016, Capaldi accepted the Guinness World Records title for the largest gathering of people dressed as Doctor Who characters at the uh, Le Mole Comic Con in Mexico City. I remember that. That was cool. Yeah. Yes. And uh, uh, so, yeah, another entry for Doctor Who. I think we just own we just own the Guinness World Records first. They should just hand it over, really, yeah, shouldn't they? For science yeah. fiction television, <laughs> Doctor Who all over it. So what a legend, dude. Ian Chesterton still rocking and rolling. Is he 97 yeah. now? Ninety-seven. Why does yeah. it? Why is it taking so long, mate? I mean, it, you know, he should he should have been in the fiftieth. I think was the perfect time to bring him back. And Susan, don't know what the mothball was thinking, but yeah, isn't that <laughs> awesome? Lovely guy as well, William Russell. Really lovely man. Yeah, so cool. And uh, the the little um, picture that the official Doctor Who peeps put out um, for this is very cool. It's got him in his. Um, I assume a behind-the-scenes pick of the very first episode where, because I'm pretty sure he's wearing that suit that we see in An Unearthly Child, where he's at the desk and he's got his physics bottles and the microscope and it's him as the teacher before he goes off as a companion. And then the second image underneath that is him in The Power of the Doctor when they have that sort of companion therapy group uh, thing and he's got his little name badge on and a similar suit. So what an awesome thing. Yeah, Yeah, it's brilliant. Absolutely. So we are. The Guinness World Records, Doctor Who, pretty much just owning science fiction there. So good, 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 good. Radio, dude, on to our review. What we got? Yeah, so it's a, a tenant two-parter this week, and we're doing Journey's End. Well, Stolen Earth, Journey's End. The United Nations have issued an edict asking the citizens of the world not to panic. The picture is far bigger than you imagine. The whole universe is an outrage, Doctor. Twenty-four. Worlds have been taken from the sky. How many? Right, now we're in trouble. It's only just beginning. Ladies and gentlemen, we are at war. What? I get out of there. I can't, Jack. I've got a job to do. They're targeting military bases and you're next on the list. Oh, my God. What is it? Who are they? What are we going to do? It's impossible. I'm sorry, we're dead. Don't you come back! The ending approaches. People, planets and stars will become dust. 
and the dust will become atoms, and the atoms will become nothing. And the wavelengths will continue breaking through the rift at the heart of the Medusa Cascade into every dimension, every parallel, every single corner of creation. It's my ultimate victory, Doctor! The destruction of reality itself! <laughs> and the dust will become atoms. <laughs> <laughs> He's going a bit mad there, like, calm down. Yeah, went for it. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so Journey's End, the first part. So I know the Stolen Earth, the first part in this two-parter, was out on the 28th of June 2008. This mm. was 45 minutes long. It was directed by Graham Harper, written by RTD. And the second part, Journey's End, was out on the 5th of July. And that was 63 minutes, so just over an hour. And that was also directed by Graham Harper and written by RTD. And stars uh, a very, very big principal cast this one obviously because it brought all the elements together from Torchwood and Sarah Jane etc so we have David Tennant Catherine Tate Billy Piper Freema uh, Ageman John Barrowman Elizabeth Sladen and then a bunch of other people who support that so like Eve Miles Gareth David Lloyd uh, Thomas Knight Bernard Cribbins um, you know all the peeps basically from Doctor Who over the last few years up to that point and it's spin-offs so it was kind of like a big crossover um, big event thingy and the synopsis for these ones are so for uh, the stolen earth uh, when earth and 26 other planets are stolen and taken to the medusa cascade and the doctor is nowhere in sight it's up to the combined forces of unit torchwood sarah jane and rose to fight off the thieves who have only got one thing to say to the resistance exterminate and then the synopsis for journey's end is all hell has broken loose <laughs> I love that. all hell has yeah. broken loose humanity is threatened with global annihilation as davros and the dalek and the new dalek empire sorry prepare to detonate a bomb that will wipe out all of existence the tenth doctor is helpless and the tardis faces destruction the only hope lies with the doctor's companions the quote-unquote children of time but Dalek Khan predicts that one will die. One will die. I, <laughs> <laughs> I love oh. Dalek Khan, and I know you do too. It is amazing, isn't it? Anyways, yeah. right. What are your thoughts on this two-part, dude? Off the bat, hit us. I, so I just, I would just love to have that. Every time we go down the pub, I just would love to have Dalek Khan in the corner of the pub. There, <laughs> the BFI. <laughs> Something will get shown. Um, right. This two-parter. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I think it's a it's it's a kind of a um, an epic, an epic high octane, throw everything, including the kitchen sink, in. Um, uh, and I really enjoyed rewatching this. Um, it's not one I go back to that often, surprisingly. And it's I don't know about you, but it's also one that I don't think gets talked about that often. Considering how epic and and big a final it is, um, I don't really. It's not one that comes up much in conversations that I have. I don't know about you. Um, it seems to just sort of get tucked away. But it's yeah. I thought it was an enjoyable watch. It is. Um, it's full on. It's got everything going on in it. Um, I storyline wise, yeah, it's okay. It's not the strongest story, but it's a definitely a two parter that's got some absolutely lovely moments in it. Um, and the music's great, the cast are great. I mean, it's a hell of a cast. Uh, just love the fact that RTD's 
just decided to really go all in and, and bring everybody in. You know, so you've got Sarah Jane, you've got Torchwood, uh, Unit, Martha, uh, just anyone that's been sort of part, a big part of his era is just thrown into the mix. And uh, it, it does work for me for the most part. I mean, I think it, it, generally they all get something to do. And um, and it's got the most amazing cliffhanger. Uh, <laughs> I can still, to this day, love the build-up to the bit where uh, the Doctor gets shot by the Dalek and starts to regenerate. I mean, back in the day when I first watched that, I was just, I just couldn't imagine what, I mean, that was such a long wait till, till the next episode. I was like, oh my God, well, like, what is going to happen? Is, you know, are we actually going to get a new Doctor? How's he going to get out of this? Like, it was in, an incredible cliffhanger and so well done as well. The music building, him running towards Rose. It's, it's a moment that I just love watching over and over again. Um, so yeah, it's not, it's not by any means perfect, this two-parter, but it's certainly, in my opinion, very enjoyable uh, I really enjoyed watching it again last night, um, both parts. So um, I would say I enjoyed them equally as well. It's not one where the first part was really good and then the second one falls flat. It, for me, both parts were pretty solid overall. Uh, so I liked it. Yeah. What do you reckon? Good, good. Yes, I loved watching this one, bud. And I yeah? Think, oh, good. Yeah, I think you're right in that it often gets overlooked because um, Mr. Tennant, etc., and... Uh, and some other peeps had an equally as epic um, two-parter in The End of Time, parts one and yeah. two. So I think that's the one that gets talked about the most, you know, when you're talking about two-part finales in, in RTD's era and all that stuff. So, yeah, it does get overshadowed a wee bit, but to its detriment, really, because it's it's a very, very well-paced two-parter, in my opinion, even though it's a long... Um, it's a long run time, especially part two, which is just a, just over an hour. But when yeah. you couple in the 45 minutes before and you watch them both together, which is what I did last night, one after the other, you're essentially watching a really long feature film of mm. Doctor Who. So despite that, though, it's paced really well. It doesn't just it doesn't peak early. It doesn't give you all the all the things. It doesn't um, it, it doesn't bombard you with stuff. It just keeps you sort of simmering away with these little peaks every now and then. And then that cliffhanger at the end of part one, I can only imagine that when people were watching this live as it went out on Saturday night, was it Saturday night? I can't remember. I think so. Hmm. Um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just, well, the 28th of June, I don't know what day that was, but anyway, whatever day that was live, people were just like open mouthed at the end. It's like, is that the end of David Tennant? We've got another part to go he's now going to regenerate. This is the new doctor. So it really left you. And I think that's why we didn't get a next time trailer at mm. the end of this one, because they wanted to keep people just guessing and you know what was going on. So that was nuts. And uh, yeah. And I think like you said, the, the overall plot and everything is not, um, it's not perfect by any means. And it's a, in some places it's a little bit thin, mm. but I think Davros being back is a big one for me. I loved, absolutely yeah. loved Julian Bleach um, as, as Davros. And then um, he just, like that in the trailer you just heard, he just goes over the top, but in a good way. You know, oh, he properly yeah. freaks out a couple of times. And especially at the end when the Doctor and everyone buggers off in the TARDIS and he's screaming at him. He's like, I blame you, mm. the destroyer of, of worlds and everything. You know, he's just so good. That was a high point for me. And obviously Dalek Khan, we love Dalek Khan. And, uh, <laughs> but also just the... Um, just the on paper you could 
I think you could easily view this as very fragmented because you have the companions that are off at some points doing like Martha. She's quite isolated for some of it or most of it. Yeah. And then it's only really when they go up to the Dalek ship where you have um, Captain Jack and Sarah Jane and, uh, and, and then together Rose together. And then later on um, Rose's mum turns up with Mickey and stuff. So that's when they all kind of get together, but it doesn't feel fragmented though. It feels like they're all, like you said, they all have enough to do. There isn't mm. one of there isn't any standing around with hands in pockets moments for any of them. They all have stuff to do. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, mate. It was it, it sort of transformed me back to those moments where um I picked up the box sets for the first time, the the DVD box sets of these early series, when I was going through my my um journey into doctor who and i'd finished the eccleson stuff and then i was going through the tenant stuff and it was it just reminded me of it was very nostalgic even though it wasn't decades ago it was still for me it was probably i don't know sort of eight years ago now maybe eight nine years ago so it, it did feel very nostalgic to me when i had when the box set had turned up and i just binged it throughout the whole day and had many many cups of tea and snacks and was just enjoying um that moment of doctor who that culmination of series four so yeah it was it was amazing to watch actually and it not just because it's a very well written well paced two-parter where it has got a lot of epic stuff going on but i don't know it just feels i I know that a lot of a lot of people will challenge this but to me it does feel like the best era of doctor who since 2005 this whole series four and then leading into the specials and stuff. It was so good. So, so good, mate. Yeah, no, I'd echo that. I mean, I definitely get like a nice warm glow watching mm. this. It, there's something about it. It's, a, it's the music and the Dr. Donna are such a good pairing. I mean, Catherine Tate is phenomenal in this. She's, abs- if anything, she is the, I mean, Tennant's great in it, but she is the absolute star of this for me in amongst a lot of stars. I mean, like you said, Julian Bleach is also superb as Davros. I mean, he really is just fills that role perfectly you know like you said the the insane madness that he builds up to towards the end is is absolutely you know bang on um and it's yeah like you said it'd be he is going over the top but in a, it, it's not too much you know it's it's absolutely davros it's you know would have been easy to get that performance wrong um he's superbly cast as davros i remember the excitement as well because I think we got teasers of him coming out of the shadows, but they kept it very short in the teaser trailers. So there was a rumour that Davros was coming back at the time and you could just see something coming out of the shadows. And I was like, that's got to be Davros. Everyone says Davros is coming back. It's got to be. And I just was so pleased when he finally shoots out into the spotlight in the actual episode. I was like, oh my, yes! Because, I mean, I love Davros. And um, I, I think for the most, I mean, I think he's, plays it brilliantly the only thing that slightly irks me about the story is that I, i'm not v- very keen on this fact that davros is like in the basement and the doctor says he's like the dalek's pet i i prefer it when davros is like back in full force and leading the daleks but i guess it gives it a different dynamic because they're just being a bit cautious with him aren't they so he's sort of being kept at arm's length by the rest of the daleks so i guess that's okay but yeah i was never really overly happy about the whole Dalek's pet thing because I just you know I think Davros just deserves to be centre stage but that aside I think he's brilliant in it and he's just revels in the fact that he's finally got the Doctor where he wants him to be and in a way uh, Dalek Khan is like Davros's pet isn't he he's like you know Mm -hmm. giving him all this information and uh, it's like a sort of um, 
like a naughty school kid at the end, Dalek Khan, isn't he? Where he's like, <laughs> I lied, I lied. And he's like, I got one over on you, Dad, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it does it does work in that sense. But it's, yeah, it, there are so many nice moments in this. You talk about the pacing as well. It, it's full on. Like it, from the minute the Doctor steps out of the TARDIS at the start, the music's banging and we're straight into the story. It follows more or less straight on from turn left, doesn't it? So in a way you could have it as a three-part. Oh, yeah, suppose, true. But yeah. yeah, so it kicks straight off into the action and it, it doesn't really let up. I mean, there was no point in this two-parter where I felt bored in the slightest, you know? There's there's no moment where it dips or becomes dull at all. There is always something going on uh, on screen that's um, engaging. And so many nice returning characters like, um, I just want to mention this so that I don't forget, Harriet Jones. Uh, that's a moment oh, yeah. that always sticks out for me where she sacrifices herself. And I remember at the time just being so pleased that she was back. I'm like, yeah, Harriet Jones. She's, and the, 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 you know, the rolling joke of we know who you are, even the Daleks say it, which... It's the sort of thing that I don't know might get a groan from some people, but I I quite I find that quite funny. Yes, we know who you are, <laughs> so, you know. But so there's so many great moments. I mean, I I haven't got much negative to say about this at all, really. And um, I, I I know it does come in for a bit of flack. I think some people do find criticisms with it, but I, I agree with you. It, it to me, it just feels very. I get a very nice warm glow from this, you know. And I love the fact that we get Torchwood back and Sarah Jane in the main show that again at the time was such a big deal for me I can't remember if it was the next time trailer or when I first saw that they were going to be in it I think it was was there a trailer at the end of turn left there was yep yeah because I was going to say I do remember seeing some sort of trailer before the episode where we saw Torchwood and Sarah Jane and just being open-mouthed thinking like you know omg what the, what the hell's going on this looks unbelievable and it is a lot to live up to when you get a trailer like that and for me it, it succeeds they mm. handle it really really well i think so yeah i i, I just yeah kind of gushing over it a little <laughs> bit i just felt a very nice glow after i finished watching this last night yeah same yeah um i want to talk about the uh the the daleks just quickly um mm. and the and the story plot if you like because that's the um that's the obviously the that's the crux of the story is that the the daleks are very cleverly taken earth and another 26 other planets and just shifted them out of time just a little bit by a, mm. a split second or a second i think the doctor says which is a great thing but that's not i don't think that's been done in doctor who before no, so that so. was that was very cool and their overall um motive i guess is just to destroy all life within within the the universe i think with this reality bomb thing and yeah. um there was some there was some the, the, the thing i did like about this with the the daleks how they were portrayed and um was that that it wasn't just a very black or white cut and dry thing it wasn't just the daleks and they wanted to either capture the doctor or destroy the doctor and then destroy you know, all life in the universe and stuff. It wasn't just that. We had this kind of layer of hierarchy mm. within the Daleks, which was very cool. So we had Davros, obviously, who's wasn't in charge of what was going on, but he kind of was in a way. Um, he was there in the background scientifically, m- you know, manipulating things that were going on with this reality bomb and so on. Mm. But that everything was kind of driven by for the first time since Remembrance, the supreme Dalek, 
the the dude in the big red casing with the gold and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So that was cool. And then you obviously had Dalek Khan, who, mm. uh, as Davros explained, you know, had flew into the time vortex and had seen, the, you know, time itself and all of its intricacies and turned him, you know, doolally and stuff. So he's there as almost like this prophet, if you like, you know, he's prophesizing these future events and um, and what's going to happen with with the Daleks themselves and and the Doctor and the companions, which they've labelled as the children of time and that they're going to stand up to them, you know, while the Doctor's capped, you know, all that stuff. So that part of it I really did like because it would have been really easy just to, like I said, have the Daleks just be the Daleks and no hierarchy. So what do you think to those those guys in the story and their kind of overall big plan for this reality bomb and so on? Yeah, no, it, it's really good actually, isn't it? Because it, it does make the Daleks more interesting by doing that because i must admit we've seen the daleks so much and i think um they have been so overused since the show returned there's no two ways about it so yeah it, it does make the story more interesting otherwise it is just you know daleks going around like they are for the the other daleks are in the story just going around shooting people on the streets and stuff like that so it, by giving a couple of daleks characters if you like if you want to put it like that it definitely um enhances you know the, the dalek story rather than being just daleks again um so yeah i like that and i you, you mentioned the children of time there i also su- also surprised that the rtd didn't call this the children of time because it's mentioned a few few times throughout the story it sounds like the perfect title for it doesn't it doctor who the children of time and that's one of my favorite bits with davros actually is when he points out to the doctor like i've shown you your real self i thought that was a great piece of writing um, you know, and it, all the flashbacks to all the people the Doctor's lost in his name, you know, just to force the Doctor to s- stand there helpless and think about those people that have sacrificed themselves in his name, I thought was very powerful and and a real um, great piece of writing. And it sort of brings that home a little bit because not only does the Doctor try not to think about that, I think the viewer just glosses over it as well. So it kind of makes the viewer sit back and think, blimey, you know, uh, hate to hate to say it, but Davros has got a point. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a harsh reality for the Doctor to face, and I think it does mm. add an extra layer of darkness to Tennant's Doctor, which has always been there. Um, and I I just love that scene. I think it's brilliantly written and brilliantly played as well. Tennant looks destroyed mm-hmm. at that point, and uh, Davros is reveling in the fact that he's the one to point it out to him. So. Yeah, but yes, going back to Dalek's way, I think Dalek Khan and uh, is he called the Supreme Dalek, the big red, yeah, yeah. big red. I mean, he looks great as well. <laughs> and I was red. thinking it's such yeah. a nice big red Dalek. It's such a nice, easy. They've just sort of put a few big extra bits on him. It's like it's not a massive redesign, but it is such an effective redesign of. Um, it just makes him look more powerful and big, I think. And also, he's shot very low down, isn't he? So he looks really impressive as well. So. Yeah, I like those guys. I like the the big Dalek and Khan and Davros. They're just very interested together. Three very different characterizations. Yes. Yeah. Now that was cool. And um, yeah, so Julian Be- Bleach then was just amazing as uh, mm. as Davros. And because I think there's um whenever you do this in TV or films where you have an actor that's portraying a character that's already been and gone from you know a long time ago where how do you approach that do you try and do a carbon copy of the actor that played that character before or do you try and 
put your own little spin on it a little bit. Or so I think this was the best of both for me. This was the best of both worlds because you can tell without a shadow of a doubt, obviously, that it's Davros. The yeah. the design that they've gone for and everything is is mostly there. You know, they've changed how his eyes look and you know, some of the little wires that are coming out of his head and, you know, that stuff. So but that's okay though, because you can tell that that's this is a Davros that has been in the background, unbeknownst to the Doctor for however many thousands or hundreds of years. So you would expect him to have moved on physically a little bit anyway. Mm. Um, and of course, when he takes, you know, undoes his jacket, you can okay. see that he's used part of his own body to... You know, so that was gross, but very cool. So, uh, <laughs> But also, Julian Bleach does this thing where he's he's taking into consideration the previous Davros from the classic era but he's kind of giving it his own little he's more forceful at times mm. so even when we saw Davros kick off before things like Genesis you know it was he wasn't as foaming at the mouth I guess is the best way to put it as Julian Bleach does it so yeah yeah he was very very cool and, and I love the scenes with him and the doctor that you mentioned when he really kind of stumps the doctor a little bit so the Ooh. doctor doesn't like the fact that all of the people that he's been involved with, unfortunately, a portion of them have died while either helping him or they've got in the way, unfortunately. You know, that sort of thing. So the yeah. doctor doesn't like that. He's probably like, mm, I know that, but I don't want to be told that. It, that's That was the expression that David Tennant had at that time. It was that sort of crippling feeling that, beep, you're right, you know. But So, yeah, that was amazing. And it kind of leads on to the four specials that we had after this, right? So you mentioned that the um, because of that scene, it played into sort of the, the darker element of the Doctor's character, and that's exactly what we see. Mm. Not so much in uh, that Christmassy one um, that next came up Doctor. next year. Not so much in that, but definitely in the three after, after that. Mm. We had that Time Lord victorious mm kind of, you know, I'm the doctor, I can do whatever the hell I want. If I want to save people, I'll do that. If I want to alter time and alter circumstances, then I'll do that. You know, he's got that kind of darkness to him. So yeah. that was kind of, when you think back on it now and when you watch this one, you realise that was a real clever move by Russell T. Davis because that was almost very, very subtly a springboard into that very darker tenant mm. doctor in those specials. So, yeah, that was cool. That whole scene on the Dalek ship when... Davros has his number and you know and does all that stuff was amazing and those are um, my favorite bits where mm. you just get the doctor and Davros together because th that's what I like about the character of Davros is he's 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 a clever character underneath all the evil scheming you know he's intelligent and I like it when the writers understand that about Davros and don't just write him as you know the, the creator of the Daleks there's a lot more to him he's, he's always you know got stuff going on because my favorite scene in Genesis of the Daleks is the bit where him and the Doctor just sit and chat so we kind of get that a little bit here as well albeit that the Doctor is trapped and can't has no choice but to listen to Davros you know but again what Davros is saying is makes perfect sense and yeah. I, I do like the redesign just to quickly go back to what you're saying I think they've managed to just tweak 
Davros enough without cha- you know he's, without changing him too much. So he's got like the metal hand and and stuff like that. But it's unmistakably you know the Davros that we know and love in in looks and performance. Yes, yeah. Uh, what did you think? To let's talk about some of the because the main driving force then behind this, outside of Davros and the Daleks and stuff, was yeah. the the absolute ride or die mentality of the Doctor's companions. Yeah. So each and every one of them doesn't even question anything. The, the the only thing that we really get in terms of did you think that there was going to be some apprehension from them was you could tell that a couple of them had moved on since the doctor and now they've got other priorities in their life it's not just you know i want to run around with the doctor again and be a companion so the best example of that is sarah jane so now she's got luke to consider and that's evident in when they first hear that um radio broadcast come down from the dalek ships to everyone and it just said exterminate sarah jane's crying and she's like oh no he's only young so she knows that if they don't do something, you know, he's probably going to die because the Daleks are going to wipe everyone out. And then at the very end, when the Doctor lands the TARDIS in that park and he's saying goodbye to a couple of people, she doesn't hang around. She just gives him a hug and then she legs off. She's like, I've got to get back to Luke. He's only yeah. 15 or 14, whatever. So you could tell that that was the only sort of little bit that wasn't, you know, I want to be with the Doctor again. And then the other one was Mickey. So when Mickey comes out of the TARDIS at the end, he's like, oh, I know how this works. You know, I'm I'm not going to be around for any of this. And certainly Rose mm. is not going to be here. So, you know, I'm going to go off and little fist pump with the doctor and that's it. And, and he's off. Yeah. So the everyone else, though, without and even like Gwen and, and Yanto and Torchwood and everybody, no question. It's like the doctor needs help. You know, we're all in it. So that was cool how all the companions, because sometimes especially that we've seen in the companions in the Chibnall era, especially the last series, we've seen this thing with the companions where some of them are not bothered. It feels like. So we had, um, when Dan at the beginning of the power of the doctor is just like, I'm not down for this anymore. Yeah. You know, I'll see you later. And then the way that he wrote, um, toasting Cole's character, he didn't even come back for the uh for anything so the chibnall era to me is that some of the companions have been written to be a bit wishy-washy whereas in the rtd era it was just no they're all there for the doctor no questions asked so companions wise they really and a lot of people now call this like the avengers of the doctor who um, oh, yeah. thing because it's got that big crossover event you know like infinity war and yeah. endgame and stuff it's got all this kind of crossover thing where everyone's in, you know, the gang together and they're fighting this big sort of enemy that's threatening the universe. It's got that kind of thing. So really it was like the Avengers before the Avengers, I guess yeah. is the best way to put it. So um, what did you think to Sarah Jane and, and Luke then? So Luke's not really in it, but Sarah Jane's down for it. And we, regardless of what program you're watching, you always get the fanfare for Mr. Smith. But she, yeah, but she actually pulls him up on it this time. I love it. She, she says what I've been saying for years, like just skip the fanfare, Mister Smith. Yeah, we haven't yeah. got time. Like we always <laughs> joked about that, didn't we? When, we? when we're watching it, it's like God. Does he always have to do it? Um, so I love the fact that she actually says that for the first time and only time. Um, yeah, I mean the thing is, I, I, I think it's um, great that it shows how the Doctor has sort of almost without knowing it shaped all of their lives in some way like he's such a big part of their lives they know they know exactly what the deal is and he's influenced them in all in a way that they've gone on to do all the things that they're doing um 
And it's all kind of, in a way, related back to the Doctor. And I also like the fact that Davros recognises Sarah. So there's a nice little callback there, isn't there, to like Genesis of the Daleks. Like, you were there at the beginning of my creation, and she remembers him, obviously. Um, so, yes, it, there's some real nice little threads tied together in this um, yeah. between the Doctor and the companions and Davros and just the whole history of the show, really. Lovely little threads um, that... If you if you don't know them, it doesn't matter. But if you do, it's a really nice little um, thing to to sort of notice. Yes, if yeah. you like. Yeah. yeah, she was very cool as well. Obviously, Liz Sladen. Like we said when we when we reviewed all the SJA episodes, mm. was it last year? And um, yeah, just consistently amazing as Sarah Jane. She never ever changes course or tries to do something different with a character. It's just always. Sarah Jane it's just she's just amazing so yeah yeah and you you said it was like the Infinity War there I mean it does make me feel like this was just came at the right time like you, you know you said earlier that this sort of feels like sort of peak who in a sense um and I just sort of think I think everything just came together well in this in the sense that I don't you know you could have done it earlier on in the season you know Tennant was leaving so it wouldn't have happened later it's kind of like right in the peak of we've got Torchwood and Sarah Jane spin-offs going I assume I mean I, I get very muddled in the timeline of things in in real life I can't remember what I can't remember what series of Torchwood was going on when this was shown or what series of Sarah Jane we're up to here but the, you know they're obviously already on screen those series so you've got this wonderful Doctor Who universe that's living a life outside of Doctor Who and Russell pulls them all in together to be in this episode this Doctor Who story and I think yeah it's just the absolute right time you couldn't do it any other time I think it's perfect it's like right with Torchwood's going nicely Sarah Jane's going well let's bring them into Doctor Who for this two-parter and then they can we'll let them go again and they can carry on being their own thing and it's just yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it's just like perfect timing for all of that really yeah so in, in terms of timelines and stuff like that hmm. um you had the Sarah Jane Adventures series one so we're on series one okay well wow. yep and then you had Torchwood series two mm-hmm. then you had Doctor Who series four this stuff yeah then you had the Sarah Jane Adventures series two and then after that you had the start of the special so the next Doctor and all that stuff and then after that first special Planet of the Dead you had Torchwood Children of Earth then you had Sarah Jane Adventures series three then the waters of Mars, then the end of time, parts one and two. So it's kind of nestled in between the second series of Sarah Jane and Torchwood. Around isn't that, that a lovely, just mentioning all that children of Earth, isn't that a lovely bubble of yeah. Doctor Who universe right there? Yeah. Nice. And let's not forget, yeah. it was fairly busy around that that time period. A lot of people think it was fairly linear and just it was series two, three, four, the specials. It wasn't because yeah. um, alongside that, you also had these very cool... Um, comic relief stuff going on so you had the sarah jane adventures the mini episode that went out for comic relief between the next doctor and the planet of the dead which was from raxacora Fallopatorius with love hey. which is very cool then you had tortured <laughs> children of earth then you had that very cool some people think it's cool that um that animated stuff uh dreamland Do you remember that 10th oh, doctor gosh, yeah, animated? yeah the quest or whatever it's called as yeah. well. yeah and then you had the end of quest is it yes yeah. it yeah so yeah and then you had um 
uh, I'm going off on tangent here, but then you had The Waters of Mars, then you had The End of Times Part 1 and 2, then bang, you were straight into Series 5. Then you had all those mini-episodes, so Night of the Doctor, Bad Night, Night and the Doctor, Good Night, then the Sarah Jane Adventure Series 4, then A Christmas Carol, then more comic relief, and then you're into Series 6. So it was actually a very cool um, string of like very cool little bits that happened over a two- or three-year period with that. Yeah, very yeah. cool. Yeah, it's a lovely anyway. little bubble, that you yeah, know, bubble of who. Very mm. cool. Um, anyway, the um, so yeah, Sarah Jane, very cool. Uh, Captain Jack, um, who's at Torchwood at the beginning in the hub, he's with Gwen and Yanto doing their thing. Obviously, they're still in the hub, because obviously this is series two-ish, and um, that all kicks off there. And he is beep scared once he finds out it's the Daleks, right? Because he, mm. like so many others, he knows straight away. He's like, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. We're dead. And that's it. And then, yeah. you know, kisses them both and, and that's it. So, um, and then later on, he does kind of get his hands dirty. You know, he he's up there on the ship. He fakes, you know, he purposely gets himself killed so that he can be transported off to another part of the ship to then come back and help and stuff like that. So John Barrowman was pretty cool in this one, actually. He wasn't that over-the-top, cringy flirty and even when he was being flirty it was just more of a comedic kind of you know the whole thing i can't tell you what i'm thinking right now oh uh, yeah sort of line it was <laughs> yeah. more funny than it was sort of uh cringy like we've seen in torchwood mm. and that sort of thing so i thought he had a good one john barrowman yeah no he's he's, he's good in it I, I love the bit where um uh harriet jones tells him off as well <laughs> he's like given up slumped on the chair as the and she's like shame on you captain jack get over here pull yourself <laughs> together man so yeah that was a nice scene um yeah no he, he's good in it and obviously when he gets shot by the dalek um rose thinks he's dead she's really mm. concerned and the doctor's just like don't worry about it <laughs> you know <laughs> Um, I thought there was a scene where she was shocked that he came back alive, but I must be thinking of something else. Um, unless I was there because he does come back alive, obviously. But mm. was there a bit where she was shocked or or not? I can't remember. Who, who sorry? Rose, because she's shocked that she she obviously doesn't know that he can come back alive. Oh, right. So she's really worried about him, and the doctor's just like, you know, it's fine, just leave him. I can't and remember. Then, actually, I thought there was a bit where she was like, oh, "Gee, you're back," but I might be getting mixed up. Mm. No, I can't yeah. remember. But anyway, yes, he's good at it, yeah. Yeah, he is good. And um, what about, um, before we get on to Rose, actually, what about uh, Freema Adrian then? So Martha Jones, she has a fairly meaty role in this one. She's um, yes. much to the to the annoyance of Rose. And Because yeah. uh, <laughs> we have that bit, don't we? we have a, <laughs> we'll come on to Rose, but we, we have a little bit of... Uh, series one rose don't we where it's like hold on i was here first what about me she's you know a little bit but for the most part martha has a a pretty decent role because she's now working for units she's Mm. pretty high up there and it gets put upon her to use the 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 teleport thing and she goes off but she's also been given the osterhagen key which um which i think is just a device where a few other people have also got one and in agreement they fire it up and it rips the earth apart. So if there is any alien threat, then uh, then it's a way of basically sacrificing the earth so that those whoever it is cannot get access to it. And that kind of leads into that bit at the end where they need all 27 planets in alignment to fire off the reality bomb. So Martha's like, it's either, you know, you let everyone go or, you know, we destroy the earth, you know, your sort of thing. So, but Freema, she had a good one. 
you know a lot of people don't really mention Freema high up in their lists as the fave companion but I liked her in this I think she had a, a really good one yeah I think um, Martha's a very underrated companion I, th- I think she's a great companion actually um, and yeah she gets a good role in this one um, with the, Os- the Osterhagen key is that you say mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah no I think she gives it a good performance and it's a it's a good um, yeah it's a good part of the story for her when she goes to Germany and stuff like that and you know, the, the fact that we think that she's um, a goner halfway through the story, like Jack says, don't use it. And it's like, oh, no, she's just going to be a load of old atoms <laughs> floating through space now. <laughs> and uh, it turns out that, you know, she has actually made it to the other side. So, yeah, it's a good role for her. Uh, clearly, she was going to go on to being tortured. You know, you get that line at the end where Jack says, you know, why don't you leave unit? You know, mm-hmm. I hear you and it's old news now. Come and join Torchwood. And that was going to be a thing, wasn't it? I think Thre- Freema was supposed to be in either Series 2 or, or or Children of Earth. Children of Earth, I think it was, wasn't it? Yes, I think um, so. Yeah. And then backed out and uh, went and filmed something for ITV instead. Uh, but th- yeah, that's a shame because she would have fitted into Torchwood really, really well. Uh, it must have been Children of Earth, I think, because that must be the... Yeah, we lost yeah. a few cast yeah. members, yeah. yeah. She would have fitted in brilliantly in that mm-hmm. um but yes it's nice it's nice to see her getting such a good role in this uh, i think she does it really well actually yeah i think um i think gwen mentions tosh and, and owen as well she does she does yeah. which is nice yeah and um yeah so i uh, freema's she's she's very good in this i think she just had a bit of an up and down period with the doctor when in series two wasn't it was it series two was her was her series uh, three series three. Oh, three sorry yeah. Oh, because it was still Rose, wasn't it? Yeah. So in series three, she um I just think some of the episodes they I think they try to to emulate what was going on with Rose in that she likes mm. likes the doctor. And um but then they kind of they ditched that a little bit, but they went back to it and stuff. So it was kind of yeah, a wee bit up and down. But I overall I think she's a very good companion and um and she was good in this, I think. Especially when she's really tearing herself up whether to use the teleportation thing and Jack screaming at her like, don't do it, you know, and mm. they all think she's dead because this thing hasn't been tested yet and she goes and uses it anyway and she ends up at her mum's house, which is really nice. So, yeah, some really nice scenes, basically, where she's she knows the gravity of what's going on and, yeah, she was good. Mm. Yeah. What about uh, Jackie Tyler and Mickey? Because those two are kind of in cahoots. They're sort of, <laughs> you know, thick as thieves in this one and... Uh, because Mickey's obviously from the alternate universe at this point. So in the yeah. alternate universe, he, um, he's been with his nan, but now she's passed away. And so, you know, he's doing his thing with, with this and he goes off back in this universe, in this world, to sort of start his life again. But some really nice scenes with Jackie. You can tell those two are really close. They had some nice scenes. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny because you, you they pop up at the start of, is it the end of episode one or beginning of episode two? It's part of the wrap-up of the cliffhanger, isn't it? Um, that they suddenly appear and you think, oh gosh, more people yeah, uh, that yeah. we're going to have in the story. But yeah, they get a little bit to do. The bit in the um, Dalek spaceship is, is quite cool when they're nearly vaporised or whatever. Um, yeah, no, they're calling it. I, I just want to quickly ask you actually, what did you think of the cliffhanger wrap up so we get that amazing cliffhanger and then i mean when episode two starts i guess it kind of just wants to get on with the story so it wraps up the sort of two or three because you get sort of two or three cliffhanger really don't you? you get the doctor regenerating sarah jane about to be exterminated torchwood about to be blown up by a dalek it does kind of wrap those up very quickly it with um 
Mickey and uh, Jackie appearing and stuff. And then it's all kind of wrapped up in a couple of minutes and then we get on with the story. But what did you think of the conclusion to the the cliffhangers? Do you think it was right to do that, just to quickly get those out of the way and let's get on with the story? Or were you a bit disappointed? Because the whole hand thing, I'm still not... <laughs> I'm still not too sure about the whole throwing his regeneration thing into the hand. It's a little bit convenient, but it it works, doesn't it? But I'm still not 100% sure about that, if I'm absolutely honest. Um, Um, We'll get on to the Metacrisis Doctor in a minute because I have some thoughts on that. But yeah, what do you think to the cliffhanger resolution, though? Yeah, it was okay, actually. I honestly didn't mind it because um, it's one of those things that you thought, oh, that's very cool. They've used this thing from way back in series two. And he, the Doctor, we do get a little bit of um, Jodie-esque kind of exposition going on there with the Doctor. Mm. It's like, oh, do you remember back in that episode with the Sycorax where yeah. I lost my hand, my hand and now it's back and all that <laughs> stuff. So I didn't mind that too much because a lot of time had passed at this point. So for viewers who are new to Doctor at that point, it was on, it was a little, and let's get, let's be honest. It was only literally 10 seconds of, of exposition. It was just mm. reminded me of some of the Jody scenes that we've seen of late, but I, I didn't I ask you though, when it. you were watching this for the first time, did you, what did you, how did you think uh, this was going to, like, what, what were your thoughts when you watched that cliffhanger for the first time? Did you know what was going to happen in the next one? Well, or were you surprised or? I didn't know. Going through your head? It was weird because I, I had gone back and watched that series while Matt Smith stuff was going on. Yeah. So as a result of that, I already knew that David Tennant had regenerated into Matt Smith. But I knew that there were David Tennant episodes in between that. So my mind was frazzled for a bit because I thought, well, surely he can't regenerate now and if he does they're going to bring him back because there are other david tennant episodes after this so he can't yeah. be going but he's regenerating so i i was just i was my i just wide-eyed at the t i remember just my eyes being really wide thinking beep like what's what's going on like yeah. there must I, in my head i didn't realize that or i didn't expect anyway that he had channeled all the regeneration energy into the hand i had this convoluted idea in my head that he had regenerated into somebody or something, but then the companions would figure out a way to get him back. That's that's what was going through my head, if I remember correctly at the time. But in terms of resolving that cliffhanger, speedily, just to get back on track with the story and stuff, I didn't mind it, mate. I didn't mind it because, Mm. as I mentioned earlier, the pacing for me was really good. I think if you lingered on that bit too much, then it would have just overshadowed the cool stuff that was round the corner that was going to come up, which was the um, the Metacrisis stuff. Mm. So let's get on to that then, because I know you've got some thoughts on the cloned yeah. Doctor, as I guess the best way to put it. Just just before you quickly yeah. do, though, I just wanted to say, I wondered how many people, uh, you know, picked up on the hand. That's that's what intrigued me, because I, mm. I was wondering whether, because you get a shot of it at the start of the episode, which I now think is a big hint, but I wonder how many people actually picked up on the hand being there and, and thought, you know, I wonder how many people guessed that's what he was going to do. Cause I, I'd like to bet not many people did, but that's why I asked you. I thought, I wonder if you saw the hand at the start and thought, no, I know what's <laughs> going to happen. No, I, I don't didn't. think many people no. would have seen that coming. No. Come on then. Let's go on to the meta crisis doctor. Meta crisis. So, uh, yeah. on the surface, then a, a very cool concept. Let's be honest. Mm. A, a very, like if you were to read the script, you think 
that was that sounds awesome that sounds very cool and for the most part it was okay the, the whole thing but i i think i know where you're going to go with this did you just feel it was a little bit unnecessary yeah yeah i don't i just don't really like the idea of it and Rose seems so ungrateful. <laughs> the doctor's like, I've given you, I'm giving you some. I mean, he doesn't, the Metacrisis doctor doesn't even seem to get a say in it. The doctor's just like, I'm giving you someone that looks like me. He acts like me. And Rose is still like, you know, won't even look at him. She's just looking at the real doctor. And yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think he maybe should have had a like a limited lifespan of all, you know, he does now though, that he? I have only live a couple of hours because oh, hours. I'm a metacrisis doctor. Yeah, right. I, I don't like the thought that there's there's another doctor out there. Although he's only got one heart and he'll grow old and all that stuff. Have you? I, I noticed um, on Twitter recently someone posted a deleted scene which I'd never seen before. Thank God it was cut. Um, the doctor gives Rose a piece of TARDIS yeah. on the beach and says, "Oh, here, go and grow yourself a TARDIS." I'm like, "Oh dear me!" So I, yeah, I. I'm a little uncomfortable with the Metacrisis Doctor. I kind of hope it never gets mentioned again. I'm absolutely dreading that the you know the Doctor coming back as the 14th is going to somehow be related to the Metacrisis Doctor. I don't think it will be, but it was one of those rumours thrown out there. It's the Metacrisis Doctor, he's back. Oh, oh no, I really don't want that. Um, but right, yeah, the but... whole thing just is a bit uncomfortable. It should have just been Donna. I mean, she should have just got the energy from the thing, became intelligent, the Doctor Donna, and... I don't think it needed this naked um, Metacrisis Doctor to pop up. It didn't didn't really work for me personally, I'm afraid. That's probably who it's going to be. No, don't say that. I couldn't, yeah. no. <laughs> no. So the thing, right, so that deleted scene, yeah, it was a thing where the original Doctor had said, this is on the beach, listener, if you've not seen it. Yeah. Uh, so on the beach at Bad Wolf Bay at the end. So this was kind of... Uh, um a revisit, right, to the end of Series 2. Um, was it the end of Series 2, that finale where Rose... Yeah, must be, yeah. Yeah, so um, basically the Rose gets stranded in this alternate dimension. And, and now was that sentence going to end? Yeah. It was going to end with... Bugger off. off. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're back on this thing, and the, Rose can kind of see what's going on. She She knows what's coming up. She knows that the original Doctor with Donna, they're both going to leave her. And you you nailed it, mate, where they, the, the Metacrisis Doctor, you kind of feel a little bit sorry for him because he's just basically be, just been auctioned off for free <laughs> <laughs> by the Doctor. And he's like, well, this chap's going to stay with you. And in, in his head, he's probably thinking, well, hold on a minute. Yeah, I you know I am my own person here. I'm not a time lord fully. I'm not a piece of meat. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm half time lord, half human. I've got a brain as well, and I can do what I want. But so that was kind of weird to me. That was I didn't really mind it overall. I didn't. It doesn't keep me up at night. But that whole thing at the end with the beach scene and basically him just <laughs> being farmed off to Rose is a bit as a bit of a spare part. That's that irks me a wee bit. But yeah, yeah that deleted scene. Basically, the original Doctor gives Rose a piece of the TARDIS somehow and basically says, go and grow your own TARDIS. Basically, go and make your own TARDIS because um, uh, the the Metacrisis Doctor then says, well, that's not going to work because I've just told you that I'm going to age like a human along with Rose. Mm. But in order to to do that, it takes 
thousands of years to grow. I don't know what this growing its artist thing is. No. And then basically the um, Donna then says, look, I've got a much faster solution for you. So you and Rose can go and travel through space and time as you should be, quote unquote. So that's the scene, which is a bit cringy, to be honest with you. And now that I've just said it, that that 14th Doctor is going to be the Metacrisis Doctor, isn't no, it? Because, because mate, the, the, the Donna, Dr. Donna, has basically given them instructions on how to like fast track and get the TARDIS up and running. So those two are off doing their thing. So that's that's him back. Anyway, oh, no. there was another Please, couple no. of scenes, dude, that were cut, that were included as special features on the Series 4. Oh. So at the very end, it was written in and filmed, actually, that Donna, um, when she's on the phone to her mate or something, when she's got her memory wiped, which is so sad, that whole scene will come on to that. Yeah. Um, she's, she's meant to hear the TARDIS dematerialise. And she has this kind of look of of realisation or recognition on her face. She kind of recognises it a little bit. But then um, Julie Gardner stepped in and said, you need to cut that because we've literally just gone through this heartbreaking scene where they've been told that if she remembers anything about it, then her mind will just burn out. Burn up. So yeah. she's like, she, we can't have her even subtly recognising the sound of the TARDIS because then that's going to... But they did film it. So that was cut. Oh, right. And then the other one was um, the other scene that was meant to be the original ending for it is after the Doctor says goodbye to Wilf, goes into the TARDIS. Um, he sees a, something weird on the scanner, um, which makes, which when they filmed it, David Tennant did the whole, what? What? You know, all that what stuff. Yeah. And then after that, um, two Cybermen, materialized behind him in the TARDIS. And then that was going to be a cliffhanger. So the Pete's world Cybermen from the next Doctor, all that stuff, they were going to materialize in the TARDIS behind him and then it was going to cut and that was going to be the cliffhanger. But um, they dropped it because um, it was a weird, it was a weird shift in f emotional feeling from what you'd just watched. So you'd just watched Donna have her memory wiped it's cut the doctor up. Wilf knows it's awful because she, he feels that she should be traveling with the doctor and it's all emotional. And then to suddenly just flick to the doctor doing the comedic, what, what stuff. So that was cut as well. I'm kind of glad it was. I mean, it's a strange ending to this one and it's weird because as we were getting to the end and the doctor goes to the TARDIS, you're waiting for something to happen, aren't you? Like, you know, yeah. like the Titanic bursting through the TARDIS walls or, so, or Donna appearing in the, you're waiting for the next cliffhanger and we don't get anything. It's just the Doctor looking really sad and it ends. And I, it is quite a, a downbeat ending, really. For, for I mean, I guess it has to be. But yeah, well, that whole time, even though I know it's coming, I'm sort of waiting for something to happen. So I wouldn't have been surprised mm. if the Cybermen had burst in. But I'm kind of glad they didn't do that. I think all of those scenes were rightly cut, to be honest. I particularly don't like the growing the TARDIS one. So yeah, same. Um, yeah, yeah, I think they made the right call to, to cut them. That's him, though, bud. Sorry. No. Metacrisis 14. I won't have it. Adam's like, no, please don't. I'm not going to have well, it. Well, I'm now thinking as well because he can die and that way he can turn, he can have a short lifespan and turn oh, into yeah. shoot his doctor. I'm like, oh no, oh, yeah. it's all, no, it's all coming together. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> anyway. Russell, surely not. Anyway, we'll, uh, we'll go to the bookies on that one. Um, <laughs> what do you think to Catherine's take then as Donna and then Dr. Donna and then Donna again? 
Uh, I, I honestly think she's fantastic in this this episode. She really, uh, she really pulls at my heartstrings, um, and she she just acts so well. It's it's the most heartbreaking exit as well. It, it so much so that it, I'm so conflicted every time I watch it because I love it and I hate it at the same time. I hate what happens to Donna, but I I think it's very powerful. So I, I do love her exit Um, and I do particularly love the scene of the doctor sat talking to Wilf and Donna's mum because especially the bit where he's like why don't you tell her sometime like the doctor finally snaps and she's you know it's a brilliant scene we haven't mentioned Bernard Crimmins at all but he is absolutely fantastic in the scenes he's in actually both Wilf and um, whatever Donna's mum's called Sylvie Sylvia, Sylvia. Yep. they they are so good together those two they're like they only get little scenes here and, you know here and now there and now but they're brilliant together um, but yes I love that scene and it's heartbreaking the bit where Donna is realising what's happening when she's going binary 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 I'm fine I'm absolutely fine the fact that she knows what's coming and the doctor knows it, it breaks my heart every time I watch it it's um it's the music it's the performance uh yeah Catherine's brilliant in it mate that i just keep there are so many good scenes of her she she does the comedy brilliantly she does the seriousness brilliantly i honestly the whole time i was watching this i just kept thinking i can't wait to see these two back together (laughs) again next year i cannot wait to see the doctor and donna back together because for me they are absolutely peak doctor who you know she hits every nail on the head um yeah she's just brilliant in it mate but what heartbreaking i what russell you must have been when he was writing this i mean it is harsh it is so harsh (laughs) the fact that she saved all these people and she'll never remember any of it and and she just goes back to being like donna in the kitchen on the phone to uh neris is it i can't remember i think it's neris yeah neris on the phone she's like whatever and she's laughing (laughs) and she doesn't pay any attention to the doctor it's um it's such a yeah it's heartbreaking but it's it's a very powerful exit mm-hmm. for her. It is, yeah. And what a range, though, from Catherine Tate in this oh, one. Amazing. She goes from real empathy for the Doctor when he realises, because Rose is on his mind, you know, he's thinking about Rose and she's really empathetic to him. She's like, well, Doctor, it's good news, isn't it, that Rose is back and mm. all the rest of it. And that scene that we mentioned earlier, you know, when they're out in the street and she's oh, like, yeah. why don't you tell her yourself? And then... Um, that piano piece, that Rose's theme that Murray wrote oh, years before, just oh, so good. So she's really good, but that's heartbreaking that scene because in the TARDIS, where she knows that her mind's breaking down and she mm. she's fighting it, but she knows that the doctor's going to have to do it, otherwise she's going to die. But it just gets killing her, and the doctor's face he he also knows that this has got to be done, otherwise she's going to she won't survive and oh that scene as well i think the the best bit of acting from her is going from that scene in the tardis where she's she's crying her eyes out and she knows it's coming to then flicking back to the donna that's never met the doctor and she's just having a laugh on the phone she comes in and she almost blanks him so all the stuff that they've been through and all the things that they've done and like the doctor said to um Sir Wilf and Sylvie, it's like there's loads of planets out there that will remember her name because she saved them and all that. So then her just coming in, she's like, all right. And then just, it's heartbreaking, but so well written. And she plays that brilliant, like so good. 
She's yeah. so good, mate. Yeah. I, I just love all the scenes as well where you just keep hearing the heartbeat. And I remember the first time I watched it thinking, what is going on? What's going on with Donna? Like, is she, what's she going to turn out to be? You know, amazing. Do, um, again, my, my memory, you know, being rubbish. Do they slightly undo this later on? Does Donna pop back up in another episode? I'm sure there's a bit where she, she comes back and she's like, oh, what, you didn't think I'd have a backup? Something in my mind. What am I thinking of? Or am I just imagining that? What are you thinking of? I don't know. <laughs> does she come back? Or am I going completely do lally? As in, does Donna Noble this, come back? Yeah. I just got this scene in my head where she sort of pops back up in an alleyway and says, you know, of course I remember. Like, I wouldn't have a backup thing in my brain or something. What am I thinking of? Um, or am I just mad? I could be just mad. Uh, it rings a not bell, but I can't. Does she come back? <laughs> well, while we think on that, I'll just quickly say this as well. That scene where her and the Doctor come out in the Shadow Proclamation, where the Doctor starts talking Jadoon, he's going, roll, roll, roll. I was watching yeah. her face, and I was thinking, I bet there are so many outtakes. So that scene, <laughs> she looks like she's trying so hard not to laugh at Tennant doing the, the um, Jadoon speak. I, I would love to see some outtakes from these two. They must be out there somewhere. <laughs> are you still looking for the Don of it yeah I can't think what I'm thinking of somebody out there will know or they'll just be saying Adam you've lost the plot um, but somebody will know she's in the end of time she's in the end of time come on let's get the old brain cells kicking back into well, life I a little just, bit that's the only bit I can remember is that scene thinking I'm sure she does somehow remember later on in the series but I can't remember how or why <laughs> Um, don't worry somebody out there will know and we'll probably get to it we, we must have reviewed End of Time of course we? she's in the end of time dude because yeah. at the very end the doctor turns up on her wedding day and gives Wilf and her oh, mum the lottery ticket yes Jesus Christ yes oh yes yeah. I knew there was something <laughs> I was thinking I know knew it's in the, the last one. yeah because Wilf gives him the salute and mm -hmm. of course yes yeah. so early on in the end of time um uh, what is it? Anyway. <laughs> this is this is where the listeners are screaming at I, us. I guarantee that, listener, right now, you are absolutely screaming at us, going, yeah. you idiots! It's this <laughs> bit. But yeah, she's in that. She's in the end of time. Yeah. I knew we had seen the last of it, yeah. Yeah, I was yes. going to say, but it's a great exit. Anyway, let's just wrap up with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, cool. And um, lastly then, Mr. Tennant as uh, the Doctor... And then a little bit with the, we've spoken about a mental crisis doctor, but has the doctor um, kind of, uh, would you say peak David Tennant in this or would, or are there better stories for you? For me, there's better stories. Okay. Um, I do think he's great in it. Uh, for me, peak Tennant is Warts and Mars. I just oh. think he blows me away in that story. Um, he's That's not to say he's not fantastic in this because he is. If I had one, minor criticism mate is I and I'm, I'm going to put this more down to the direction actually than anything is I feel like he's almost trying just a little bit too hard at times it's very shouty in places but I just feel right. that's the doctor saying right come on get the energy up it's like, this is happening Daleks blah 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 go you know what I mean I can just feel that they're trying to keep the momentum going keep the energy up and I I feel it's a just a, a notch above what it should be uh, every now and again um, from him but it, it's still a great performance and I, 
as with most doctors, and it's a personal preference, I just prefer the quieter moments, like rather than the shouty, screaming sort of moments. I, I prefer it when I see the, you know, the the actor using their face to convey expression, like that scene where the doctor is broken, talk, thinking about the people he's lost. So that those for me, I just look at David and think, wow, you know, he's doing it all with his face. It's he's doing it all with emotion. He doesn't even have to say anything. I, I can sense what the, you know, the doctor is feeling just from that. So. In those scenes and stuff, I think he's absolutely fantastic. And the comedy scenes are great. He works so well with, with Catherine. The, the, they're phenomenal together. Um, the scene at the end when he has to wipe Donna's memory is heartbreaking and he acts it. He acts off the screen. You know what I mean? He's mm-hmm. brilliant. So no real criticisms about David. It just if I had to be really, really picky, I'd say there are a couple of times where it's a little bit shouty and I just wish he'd toned it down a notch. But yeah. yeah. So not peak for me, but but still, you know, phenomenal. Yes. Uh, in the end of time, by the way. Yeah. Because that's annoyed me. I knew it would. <laughs> I knew it would. If, just a very quick recap, so you'll remember the master has mm. developed this thing called the gate. And when he activates it, everybody in the world turns into the master. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. So the only people who are unaffected by it are Wilf, because he's inside the control room at that point, at part one where he, when the master activates the gate. And Donna, due to her Time Lord biological traits from her previous oh, adventures. Yeah. But when that happens, she then starts to remember everything with the doctor and everything but and this is a bit of a big reset button but when the doctor did wipe her memory he also implemented a fail safe uh which stuns her and then several of the other doppelgangers of the master in the vicinity but then that wipes her memory again so she remembers for a short time and her mind starts to go you know a little bit mad but then the, the fail safe the fail safe kicks in and then she forgets about the doctor again. And then we don't see her again until the end at the wedding. Oh, I believe. Okay, I believe. Yeah. I'm glad you cleared that up because it was bugging me the whole way through. I was thinking, I'm sure we see her again. Yeah, we That's had a that, lovely scene with the wedding, by the way. Yeah, and we have that effect in the, at the end of time where everyone's face starts to sh- like whiz back and forward really quickly mm. and then they turn into John Sim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okie dokie. So I've got nothing on my notes other than uh, I love the different music cues that were brought back um throughout this so murray gold's music has a slight flavors of torchwood when needed obviously with those guys it has rose's theme from the original stuff from 2005 which was lovely and just some really good emotional slash um part stringy pulley stuff and then the action stuff as well so really good really good murray gold stuff and i also liked the little bit at the shadow proclamation i think that's that was a nice little sort of doctor's got no other option than to go there mm. and they want to capture him obviously and he does the off he's like yeah i just need to go and get the key <laughs> yeah yeah that's right you yeah. knew he was going to bugger off so yeah, yeah. Uh, other than that dude nothing on my notes have you got anything else no i've just got clom written down clom, oh, clom. And poosh. um no i the only other thing <laughs> i've got is actually a negative and I, I don't want to end on a negative but it was the the only the only sort of thing i didn't particularly like in this was the way rose was written um especially when she's being all i was here first why can't you hear me you know she was written to be a bit annoying in this which is a shame because she starts off really strong and she appears with a big gun and she's walking around cardiff she looks absolutely <laughs> kick-ass you like my um, gun yeah that's right yeah <laughs> you know you gonna steal that tv sure uh, so i thought 
that was all great. But when they started doing all the whole getting jealous and why can't he see me? And and as I said, the bit at the end as well, like, well, how is that, how is that sentence going to end? You know, I was like, oh, dear. Yeah. So that's my only real nitpick from the episode, really, which um, is just the way that she was written. Nothing to do with Billy's performance. I think she was great. But, um, yeah, I would have liked to have seen more of the kick-ass Rose than the whiny needy rose if i'm honest but yeah, anyway true. the doctor manages to get rid of her again so it's all good. get shot of rose and then <laughs> he does. we're off yeah no yeah. i read you. no i i agree as well um billy's performance was very good as rose as usual but yeah written just a little yeah a wee bit whiny oh, jealous but, stuff yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was the bit which goes i was here first it's very childish and i'm like oh rose is way past that at this point surely because she's doing all this saving the world stuff so come on let's let's get rid of that yeah yeah and also i think you can in a way you can kind of see why she's like that because from her point of view she's putting all this effort to come over from this parallel dimension to help out and do all that stuff and then when she gets here nobody knows where she is or somebody yeah. some of these people don't even know who she is so she's probably feeling a little bit shortchanged um after making all the effort but there we go that's fair enough. Yeah. Actually, dude, there is one more note I've got at the bottom, which is just, I do love the scene at the end where they're all flying the TARDIS. It's such a nice bit of writing that, oh, it's got six sides of the consoles because really it needs more people to fly it and they all get their own bit to do apart from poor old Jackie. <laughs> the doctor's just like, no, no, Jackie, not not you. Not you. Uh, yeah. They even roll out K9 as well, don't they? And I, I bet I can imagine Russell Wright in that thinking... Yeah, just getting to the end. Oh, I know. We'll just add in one more thing. K9. And that's a lovely <laughs> shout moment. But yeah, that scene at the end, dude, the round the console, that's lovely, isn't it? With the, with all the companions, like you said, all the Doctor's friends with him um, operating the TARDIS. It's a, it's a lovely moment. Yeah. I know people have a problem with the TARDIS being able to pull the earth back into the position. I know. I get it. But, you know, come on. Let's just, yeah. you know, well, that's let's just what... get over it and, and enjoy the moment. Exactly, yeah, and that's what we were saying earlier, that it's not perfect, and it does have various moments where it's a little bit, yeah, it's a bit weird, a bit convenient that somehow they've managed to work out how to tow the Earth back, and if you can imagine the Earth being pulled through space and rotating like that, then, because it's really cool that you (laughs) see, like, um, uh, Martha's mum under the table and someone's holding on to something and it'd be a lot worse than that but you yeah. have to sort of suspend your 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 belief a little bit and just go with that but and yeah. the music's lovely as well at that point that's oh, a real lovely, heartwarming yeah. call and that also just lastly that really does heighten the emotion at the end when the doctor's saying goodbye to wilf mm. and wilf actually says to him what about you now all your friends are gone they're all yeah. they've all left you so you go from this moment a few minutes prior where he's got all of his companions and friends around him to now him being alone again so that kind of that question and answer bit of storytelling where you know Wilf's like well what are you going to do now and he's like oh they don't need me you know mm. and he's off so yeah very that's how this is where Russell shines isn't it where he can write something that at that point you're watching it and it's just a feel-good moment all his friends are around him and then on reflection, once you've watched it a few times and then you're talking about it like we are, it's like, ah, oh, a few minutes later, it kind of really emphasises the fact that the Doctor's now alone. And then that feeds into the kind of darker bit of the Doctor leading into the specials. So Russell really shines with that stuff. He's just so good at that style of story writing. Yeah. 
Absolutely, mate. It's a yeah. roller coaster of a two-parter, isn't it? Mm. You've got action, yeah. you've got emotion, you've got comedy. It's got everything in it, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's me to go first with scores, it Dave. It is. I'm going to give this a nine out of ten. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to wow. go with a nine because uh, uh, it's just mega enjoyable, dude. It's so enjoyable it to is. watch from start to finish. And even though the runtime is long, it whizzed by for me. Like, literally that 45 minutes in part one felt like 20 minutes to me. And then in, again, in episode two, it felt like I was watching something half the time. And then before you know it, you know, he's off in his TARDIS at the end. And it's just, it's an emotional story to watch. It was brilliantly acted by most of them and, um, brilliantly written mate. So yeah, for me, it was a really enjoyable watch. I love this one. Yeah. I I concur, mate. It's, it's a great, um, season finale. Um, and I'm, I'm I'm slightly under nine. I'm, I'm going to give it an eight point five, and I'm only knocking off points really for whiny old Rose. Um, although I loved mm. the fact that Donna saves the day, I think it's great um, that she's you know knows how to do all this stuff. I love the scene. I don't like the execution. I don't like the fact she's conveniently at the controls and flips and weird handles and everything's you know the Daleks <laughs> are going. So there's a couple of little bits that you know aren't perfect in it, but overall it's um it's a, a great two parter so many lovely moments that I look forward to seeing every time I watch it and um, and I think it's a slightly overlooked two-parter as well and I think it's one that right. sort of gets a bit forgotten about I don't know why because it's got so much going for it so yeah not quite a nine for me mate but a very strong 8.5 gotcha okie dokie so <laughs> gotcha. what did our uh, what did our listeners think then over on the Twitter Will Sanger said this one is so much fun the plot the plot falls apart if you examine it too carefully but it's great to see so many characters and companions all together. It's all the more rewarding if you've seen the spin-offs also, and Donna's exit is incredibly tragic and impactful. Mm. Um, uh, TBLW, uh, Toku Blue Hoovian says, uh, I'd improve it by centering the story on the arc of the 10th Doctor and Donna meeting again, or Sarah Jane and the Doctor's history with Davros. Also, I'd get rid of the unnecessary companions. Um, Rose, Mickey, Jack, Martha, the Tyler, so all of them then. TBLW, oh. <laughs> uh, but he does give it an eight out of ten, so solid okay. score there. Chippy T, fabulous episode, structurally excellent with high tempo, high passion sections, then lower tempo and quieter parts with the extended Who family and links to previous eps. This is a great way to spend ninety minutes. Only fault, um, towing a planet. RTD is sublime best nine point five. Yeah. Uh, Owen, Doctor Holmes says, it's amazing how choppy the Stolen Earth is, yet it doesn't feel rushed. No plot mm. is sidelined. A masterful piece of writing. Journey's End does have a hard job. I think it delivers. It stumbles just at the end with the Dalek defeat, but overall it's emotional and yeah. thrilling. Eight out of ten. I'd agree with that, yeah. Tom, Titan Sci-Fi says, still the best season finale for me. All the fam oh. coming together. Ten out of ten. Wow. Nice. Rob Kelly says this is really one of those blockbuster stories that really has it really has it all. Highs, lows, and everything in between. Doctor Who is most popular, engaging, and successful. And lastly on Twitter, Jacob says, one of the best stories ever. The Avengers before the Avengers became a thing. Yeah. Uh, brought together so many great characters and had so many sad endings. A ten out of ten. Ten, ten okay. Ten. Thank you very much, you guys over on the Twitter. On Facebook, we had James Walsh says, a big fan, pleasing two-parter. However, on multiple watches, it becomes more and more ridiculous. Mm. 
Uh, all the ex-companions try and outdo each other with various weapons of mass destruction. Davros's plan is stupid. Why would the Daleks agree to this? And Rose's ending completely undoes her sad ending in season two and makes her look even more shallow. I give it four <laughs> MacGuffin weapons of mass destruction out of ten. <laughs> Fair oh, enough. James. Uh, Toby Coleman says, Some people say this is Doctor Who's Infinity War slash Endgame. I can see why it has a huge episode... I can see why, as it is a huge episode that wraps up nearly everything from the RTD1 era in one thrilling, huge adventure. It is a spectacle of the highest level, and whether the story holds up, it really doesn't matter. And Toby goes on to give it a 9.5. Okay. Our writer Maria has popped up on the Facebook and says, The Stolen Earth is one of my fave episodes ever. Um, Starts to bring all the threads together of missing planets. Only bit I didn't like was how easily Dr. Donna defeated the Daleks at the end. Yeah. And the clone doctor is a bittersweet consolation prize for Rose. Although everything <laughs> yeah. being in the TARDIS gives you a, such a warm feeling and then you get the loss of Donna, RTD knows how to pull your heartstrings. He definitely does. Yes. Charlie Turner, perhaps to be the biggest story of the modern series thus far, I consider it to be a fun two-parter with some great Dalek action along with an almost top-notch performance by Julian Bleach who makes a fantastic Davros. Mm. Personally, the ending is to, uh, uh, to it beyond devastating. The Stolen Earth gets a 10 out of 10. And Journey's End 9 to overall a 9.5. Nice, okay. Uh, another one of our writers, Harry, keeps it short and sweet and says, absolutely mind-blowing finale, love, love, love it. And lastly, Sean Mundy says, I love this two-parter. The whole team up uh, whole team up is great. It feels like the first Avengers film at the end of phase one, meeting all the characters in different series and shows and then all flying the TARDIS is great. Yes, it's cheesy and probably has plot holes, but it always makes me smile for the fun uh, I have every time I watch it. I can't give it any less than a 10 out of 10. Wow, 10. Very good. And then over on a Discord server, Daleks Rex, Dalek Rex 36377 says, in a word, awesome, 10 out of 10. So some high scores there, bud. It's very high scores. I'm glad, as I said, because it doesn't get talked about much, I, I'm glad to hear people like this one. I was just curious what ratings it got as well. And um, it, these were high, mate. I mean, we were in... Um, in the, at the 12 million, um, mm. 10 million overnights for these, for both parts. And yeah, around by the time they added stuff on, over 12 million people uh, watching this back in the day. That is quite something, isn't it? That's um, a big old... That is... Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah, which is good, because I think, yeah, when you get a story this epic, uh, it's nice to know that it was, you know, rated highly, if you like. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's a big old number, isn't it? 10 million and then 12 million that's yeah i was just trying to find the exact figures but it was on wiki it says 12 million with the over with the add-ons and whatever but yeah that's really cool isn't it it's very cool mate yeah i love that all righty-o then so that was this one a nine from me and an 8.5 from him thank you very much to all yes. of you that sent in your reviews etc next week buddy what we got yeah, so we'll be back to Miracle Day, uh, Torchwood next week, and uh, this episode's called The Gathering. This is episode nine, isn't it? Yes. So we've got, yep. we got this one and one more to go. So episode nine, we will, expecting, we will be expecting <laughs> things to be really ramping up now with only two episodes left. Come on, we've, this has got to start kicking in, surely. <laughs> surely to God, come on. Surely to God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, so The Gathering next week, Torchwood. <laughs> <laughs> indeedy right and i think on that note bud uh, we'll wrap there <laughs> we'll wrap there for three six seven all righty
jumping around a lot there. I think I'm going more more in on it than Adam because he's. Uh, I'm still reading Wiki. Sorry, I'm still reading the ratings on yeah, Wiki. There you yeah. go. I've shut the page now. I can see you again. There we go. Were you going mad? Were you? I was a little bit. Having yeah. a little boogie. Grooving. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to episode 367. It was great to have you here. New time listeners, if this is the first time you're listening to the Big Blue Box, then welcome. It's great to have you. Old timers, the Grizzled Ancients, welcome back. It's great to have you all here. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us on all those popular apps or head over to the website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to everything for free on there as well. Plus, you can read all the reviews and articles from the writing team over there too. We're on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Links are on the website. Come and give us a like and a follow. We chat Doctor Who throughout the week. And we have an amazing free Discord server. The link is on the website. Come and uh, hang out and chat everything to do with Doctor Who in our Discord server. It's very cool. Also, check out Adam's channel over on YouTube. It is, of course, The Geek's Handbag. The Geek's Handbag. Yeah, go check out my channel. Lots of Doctor Who vids. Also on the socials. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And Twitter. Twitter's still alive. Still alive, is it? Just checking. Just about. Yeah, still alive. Yep. Still so, got a pulse. So, so go and check out Adam's stuff. It's The Geek's Handbag. Go and do that. So get your uh, your iPlayer or your DVDs fired up. So Miracle Day, The Gathering, or expect your reviews as always. Until then, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Hey. Hey.